It is the Colby Daniels Podcast on a Saturday. Good morning, Will Brewer. Happy Saturday. What is happening, my friend? Well, what's not happening is a fight card this week, and uh, I don't really know what to do with myself. I'm kind of just like twiddling my thumbs like, what is there for me to do? What is, me, what is there for me to look forward to? Like everything just kind of yeah. came to a halt today. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a good Saturday, but, you know, man, I was looking forward to having some fights. It's the, uh, it's the Will Ferrell, like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Right. In uh, in Talladega Nights when he's doing the interview, yeah, it's I, I get that man. Like I was, uh, my Saturdays usually revolve around what time the UFC card is going to begin, and I try to plan my day accordingly so that they kind of line up on a similar timeline. Like I can finish what I got to do by the time you know the the pr- early prelims or prelims start. And uh, yeah, now I, there's there's just there's nothing there's nothing to look forward to today. There's no timeline. It's just like it's chaos. Will it's chaos without a fight card? Yeah, it, it's pretty bad. But luckily, there's a, there's been a lot that's happened throughout this week uh, of MMA. So there's still a lot to talk about. But yeah, just just the fact that there's no MMA fights to look forward to today, it, it sucks. So yeah, I mean, yesterday I, I uh, there was PFL, there was Bellator to watch, but you know. UFC, you know, they're number one for a reason, but you know, right. they're off today, so <laughs> gotta wait until next week. Yeah, I um, full transparency, I didn't see a whole lot of either one of those cards. Um, I know that uh, that Ray Cooper beat Rory McDonald, which obviously, you know, two big names there. Um, Gerard Musasi in Bellator in the main event got a finish win, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. I uh, I had a Friday night where. I didn't get to see really a whole lot of, of that stuff happening. And uh, the good thing is we had a monster pay-per-view card last weekend and we have like 18 UFC fighters that have decided they want to have Twitter beef while we have this two week off period, <laughs> which uh, I am here for 100%. If you guys want to have Twitter beef, I am all about it, especially on a non fight week. Yeah, that just gives it, that just makes the blow, uh, you know, less taxing for me, you know, all this Twitter beef with big names. I mean, of course there could be like the small, the smaller guys and they'll say this and that. And they're like, Oh, well they want to fight. But when it's the biggest guy, the biggest names in the sport, you know, you got Connor, Nate, DC, you know, all these guys, um, surprisingly John Jones isn't in this conversation because he's always saying something, but yeah, yeah, if there's so many big names just talking back and forth and I'm here for it as well. If we just said the top 10 names in the UFC right now are, and you started listing the names, DC's in that that category, right? Yeah. Still? Absolutely. I mean, because of the broadcasting, you know, the, the champ champ status, I think DC's still in that conversation. Like, if you start just saying, you know, what are the names that come to mind when you think of the UFC today? I think DC's in there. Connor's obviously in there. Nate's in there. I think uh, Dustin's in there. Yeah. I don't necessarily think Gilbert Burns or Leon Edwards would be in the top 10, but, I mean, you're talking about welterweight championship contenders. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's awesome. You know, I really feel for DC sometimes because I really feel like he's made the transition of wanting to uh, be a retired fighter and stuff. But I feel like since he retired, people just come after him. And time and time again, he's he's having to say, like, look, man, I don't fight anymore. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not that guy. Like at first he was kind of entertaining. Like, you don't want, you don't want me to turn back into that guy. But now he's like, I'm retired. Like you can say what you want, but like, look, I've yeah. done my, I've had my career double champ. 
so I'm glad that he's taken the initiative to be like, I'm retired. Like, you know, I'm not trying to uh, indulge in all this. But, you know, of course, when, when Conor McGregor is calling your name out, like, I don't think he I don't think he can, like, resist. <laughs> Although, and, and we'll, we will cross this bridge, uh, but he did kind of end the back and forth with, uh, let's keep this same energy when I see you again. So... Right. <laughs> he uh, he wasn't necessarily saying like uh, let's squash this or anything like that. So um, yeah. yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I I fully anticipate that the Conor McGregor Daniel Cormier beef is is only going to uh, grow and grow, and uh, maybe at some point we'll see DC in the corner of uh, one of Conor's opponents. Islam. <laughs> I don't think Islam needs it, to be honest with you. He doesn't, but just for DC yeah. to be there, that would be incredible. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's hit UFC 265 last Saturday night in Houston, Texas. Uh, Will Brewer, there's nowhere else to start but the main event. Surreal gone, Derek Lewis. This was one that we were really excited about. Again, throw out the interim belt stuff. I know that a lot of people didn't like that, myself included. There is a champ. There is a champ that's willing to fight. Uh, th- that part of it had no weight to me whatsoever. But what did have weight was this matchup. And this was an awesome matchup. You and I talked about this last Saturday. We were on the same side of the fence. It's also real gone. I mean, you basically had to decide whether you thought Derek Lewis was going to be able to hit him or not. And if you thought Derek Lewis was going to be able to hit him, then you're picking Derek, Derek Lewis to win the fight. If you didn't, then you're picking Surreal gone to dominate the fight. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, man. As soon as uh, I first saw Surreal gone fight, just uh, he the way he moves, it was just so uh, different from anything that that you've seen in the heavyweight division. And the way he's kind of just uh, plowed through all of these guys, all of these high level guys, JDS, Volkov, um, Jarzinho Rosenstrike. Like um, this matchup for Derek Lewis, um, we said like he had a puncher's chance, and we weren't trying to disrespect him, but that's just how. Uh, the mat- That's what, what the matchup called for because yeah. Surreal Gone was going to be far away from him and Derek Lewis was just going to have to find a way to get inside um, uh, get inside that distance and land something something big. And uh, I think Surreal Gone's IQ is just so um, levels above a lot of these guys, especially someone like Derek Lewis. Um, I just felt like Derek had to find a way to... He just had to find moments to be explosive. And whenever Surreal Gone even felt like he was in danger... Uh, he had he did a great job of getting out of danger, uh, just as quick as he got in danger. So, um, like I said, Shogun his his uh, his IQ is levels above these guys. And one thing that I didn't really realize uh, after seeing, I mean, of course you see Shogun and you realize how uh, cut up and everything that he looks. He's two fifty. He yeah. he's uh, very athletic, but the dude is strong, man. Like whenever whenever there was any type of grappling exchanges. He just looks so much stronger than Derek Lewis, and that really surprised me. So, um, yeah, Surreal Gun looked incredible uh, as long as that fight went. And for him to get the finish, I mean, that just shows that he's got that level of uh, violence in him as well. Uh, that See, that's, I think, my favorite part of this fight because I think when you mention the name Surreal Gun and you talk about those early fights, and look, I, I think you know we will cross the bridge in a moment about the experience he's gained just in the last year. But, I mean, I, I feel like the one thing that's been missing for me with Surreal Gone in terms of evaluating him on the same level as a Stipe or a Francis Ngannou is the tools are all there, the size is there, the athleticism is there, the guy could be as good as he possibly wants to be, but when are we going to see that, like, violence unleashed? When are we going to see this guy, 
like put on a performance that strikes fear into opponents because even the Rosen strike win, you know, that was the first time where we kind of felt like this guy's in the octagon with a guy that could potentially put his lights out. And while he fought a brilliant fight and you and I were both on the same side of that, you know, there were a lot of people that were unhappy with his approach, but he put the pressure on Rosenstrike to go forward and he did enough to completely dominate that without putting himself in jeopardy, which is just a, a smart way to fight that fight. Uh, but, you know, you walk away from that with still asking those questions like, what does he look like when, you know, things get a little bit gritty, when it's not so clean and he can just be more athletic and get in and out and touch you and prevent you from touching him? Um, you know, I think we saw a little bit more of the violence in the Volkov fight. Uh, certainly that was the first time where you and I, I think, you know, in talking about Cyril Gone, we're like, wow, this guy like had some, some really big moments as far as not necessarily just looking technical, but like this guy's just a badass. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, with Derek Lewis, I think there was a lot of, of caution early. It, there was a feeling out process, but I think what we saw was at some point he just realized like, I need to exit when I'm in a bad situation. But other than that, this guy can't get to me and I'm too big. I'm too fast. I'm too athletic. My footwork is too good. And you know, again, I, maybe, maybe the violence is amplified when you see somebody that doesn't quite present the same threat as Derek Lewis. But for me, the number one takeaway was the confidence level from surreal gone uh, over the last year. But, but you know, when you watch that fight from minute one to what we saw going into the third round, like, the guy's confidence just grew and grew and grew with every second that passed on the other side of Derek Lewis. You know, I'm sure that he was uh, in this fight thinking like, man, this is a championship fight. And this is one of the easier fights that I've had. Uh, and it's really got nothing to do with Derek Lewis. I know people um, were trying to say like Derek Lewis didn't, didn't fight or, or anything, but I mean, we knew that Derek Lewis had to really pick and choose his shots, but I think this was more of, uh, just how brilliant Cyril Gan's uh, complete game is. Uh, it was uh, definitely a masterclass from uh, Cyril Gan. Uh, everything that he did, um, Derek Lewis had no answer for it. And right. I think the numbers uh, show that. I mean, I think you uh, sent me something that said the striking count was like 110 to like seven or eight or something yeah, crazy. I think, like yeah, that. I think it was 110 to eight. I think that's right. Right. So Cyril Gan's just uh, doing his thing, touching Derek Lewis and, uh, He's so far away, like you can always you're gonna know when Derek Lewis is gonna come because Srilgan is so far away, like you there's no way that he can set that up without just kind of really just showing his cards. So yeah. um yeah, Gan just looked incredible, man. There's I mean, I haven't seen a heavyweight do the things that he does. I mean, I I think when when I looked at John Jones going up to heavyweight, I kind of pictured something like this, but John Jones doesn't move the way that Cyril Gaon moves, and he doesn't get out of danger the way that uh, Cyril Gaon does. There's just something really special about the way that Cyril Gaon approaches these fights, and it makes the rest of these fights that are uh, going forward for him just uh, that much more intriguing. Yeah. Um, 104 to 8 was the total striking numbers. Eight shots landed for Derek Lewis. And look, we talked about this last Saturday when we previewed this fight. Derek Lewis wasn't going to get a bunch of opportunities to hit Cyril Gaon. Cyril Gaon was never going to allow Derek Lewis to get a bunch of opportunities. But if Lewis had that opportunity and he got a clean shot off, he was going to win the fight. Right. But again, like it's a big question as to whether or not you're ever going to get that opportunity, especially against a guy that's as athletic and has as, as good a feat as Cyril Gaon does. 
Um, you know, we said this is either Cyril Gon dominating the fight or it's Derek Lewis winning with one punch. And Derek Lewis right. even said leading up to this fight, like, how are you guys going to let a, a guy, a, you know, basically a knockout artist win this win this belt? Like, I, 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 you know, he basically said, like, I don't have all of the same skills as all the mixed martial artists in this heavyweight division. I'm a he's a power puncher and that's what he is. And again, that's that's not a bad thing. That's just the reality of the situation. Derek Lewis is going to go in the octagon and try and put your lights out. He's not skilled in all the same areas that some of these other heavyweights are. Now, that's also got him a long way and got him to this opportunity. Uh, but, right. you know, Cyril gone again is a monster. He's massive. He's athletic. He is uh, he's. I mean, the, if, if you want to put together the uh, the picture of what a heavyweight champion should look like uh, and what the skill set should look like, I mean, Cyril Gon's it. I mean, imagine if... I mean, we don't really know if Cyril Gon has knockout power. I don't really feel like he um, he chases a, a knockout. I feel like, you know, of right. course he goes around and he just... Um, it's like he's like he's playing chess. He's he's fine with just proving that he's better than this guy for 25 minutes. But we don't really know for sure if he's got knockout power. But just imagine if with that skill set, if he has that knockout power, like we're talking about probably one of the most talented guys uh, that's ever come through the UFC. Um, it just seems like there's not really anything that he can't do. Uh, I, I still I mean, when you're a guy that young, uh, he's only what? uh 10 fights in, in the MMA now. So yeah. when you kind of think like, what is there, what is, what's the thing that's going to get them unrattled or rattled, you know, uncomfortable. Someone's going to have to get inside that reach. Someone's going to have to get inside the distance just to see like what happens when he gets, when someone gets inside, someone's going to have to take that chance. I don't know who it's going to be, um, but his next someone's going to have to take that yeah, <laughs> someone's going to have to take that chance just to see like what happens when you make him uncomfortable. Uh, because if not, Cyril Gantz is going to pick you apart. And he knows whenever these guys are going to come in, he just grabs them and just uh, shucks them off and just gets right back in the center. Like, Cyril Gantz is so smart, man. Yeah. Think about this. Cyril Gantz now is 10-0 and in his professional career. But I think when you look at the amount of octagon time he's gained over the last year, like it's mind blowing. Will like this guy has gained a ton of experience. And like I told you, my biggest takeaway from this fight was the confidence level that we saw grow, not only within this fight, but I think when you just kind of rewind to what the last year for surreal gone has looked like, he finished JDS last December, December of 2020, he finishes JDS he goes 25 minutes with Rosenstrike. He goes 25 minutes with Volkov, and then he finishes Lewis. That's four heavyweight fights in the UFC in the last eight months, and I broke it down to a minute situation. How many minutes and seconds has he been in combat inside the octagon? In the last eight months, Will, this guy's been in the octagon fighting for 71 minutes and 45 seconds. So some people may be thinking like, okay, what's the big deal there? Well, I'm just going to give you an example. Francis Ngannou, the current heavyweight champ, is on a five-fight win streak that dates back to 2018. He spent a total of eight minutes and 34 seconds inside the octagon fighting since 2018 over the course of five fights. Three years. And it's yeah. just over eight minutes of octagon experience in that time. Surreal Gone is learning on the job in the last eight months. 
over 71 minutes inside the octagon. I, I think there's a there's a reason why I think, especially in the Volkov fight and the Derek Lewis fight, the guy looks from a confidence standpoint like a completely different dude. He's he's comfortable in there at this point. Yeah, man. Uh, it's unprecedented, unprecedented what he's doing. Uh, 10 MMA fights and his last three are, are main events and two of them, he goes a distance. Uh, he's finished all the guys that he's supposed to finish. Um, all the guys that presents danger, he just uh, fights very, very smart. Uh, for him to be 10 fights in and to have this much experience, it is so uh, unprecedented. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, now we're looking at him and Francis, and like you said, it's just like a, a tale of just two different people. Like, 71 minutes compared to eight minutes over uh, three years of action. Like, yeah. that is crazy to me. Um, and it just – it makes that matchup just that much more intriguing. Like, what what's going to give? Something's got to give. Yeah. And look, I think, you know, people are are already forgetting, I think, somewhat how good Francis Ngannou looked against Stipe and the changes that we saw in his game because I think it's easy to just go back and look at the Francis highlights and it's him KOing everybody in his path. But he showed that he's expanded his skill set in the Stipe fight. And he's also a guy for a monster that is crazy athletic as well. So, um, I, you know, that's something that Surreal Gone has had as a massive advantage against every opponent he's faced at this point. I, I think that you can make the case that it's an advantage for him against Nganu, but it's not a massive advantage. Francis Nganu is also an athletic dude for as big as he is. So for for me, well, how I feel about this fight, I almost feel like Francis, I mean, when it comes to these skilled guys like the Stipe's and stuff, the reason why he had to kind of pace himself and everything was because Stipe was going to take him down. Yeah. Okay, so he's fighting Shrilgan. Shrilgan's not really uh, going to, looking to take him down unless, you know, he has to. I almost feel like Francis should just fight like he did against Rosenstrike in a Agreed. way just to see just to see what would happen you know Agreed. he went in against Rosenstrike and just you know swung away it was real sloppy and unorthodox and stuff but Rosenstrike he just backed straight up into the cage where he didn't have nowhere else to go and Francis hit him what's Shirogan gonna do if Francis comes at him like that Francis is athletic like you said Francis can get to him where Jarzinho can't where right. Derek Lewis can't where JDS can't he can get to him because Derek or uh, because Francis is fast he's athletic he's tall so that's some that's something that's very intriguing to me. I mean, I know he's made, he's made steps in his grappling and his takedown defense and everything, but um I almost feel like I'm not going to say just throw that out, throw that out the window with Strogon, but definitely uh go back to what brought you to the dance. Uh look yeah. for those power shots and um especially early, you know? So that that's just how I feel, man. I mean, what we've seen from Cyril Gaon is that he's used his length and his athleticism to his advantage against everybody he's fought. And, right. you know, I thought that Volkov was going to be the guy going forward and taking away that part of Gaon's game. And Volkov didn't. Volkov was being backed down the entire fight. Um, right. Now, I mean, comparing Volkov and, and Nganu, I mean, Nganu, if, if Nganu takes a step forward, you are not going to just stand there. You are retreating. Uh, right. So, yeah, I'm with you. You take away the athleticism advantage, you take away the length advantage, and all of a sudden it's two guys where, you know, one is, you know, along with Derek Lewis, arguably the greatest knockout artist in, in heavyweight UFC history, 
And the other is a guy that we think might be the most all-around skilled guy in the sport at the heavyweight division. But like you said, like we don't know that he's a knockout puncher. I mean, maybe he is, maybe he's not. I don't know that he's not either. But to this point, we've not seen him display the same power that Francis Ngannou does. So if you're not just able to out-athlete the guy, if you're not able to just get in and out and pick your spots and pick a guy apart before you start to unleash the violence, um, you know, what does that look like? I I would still have a hard time picking Sarogon to beat Francis Ngannou at this point. But, you know, I, I think once again, when you look at the experience gained over the last eight months, that 71 minutes of combat time inside the octagon in just the last eight months compared to Francis Ngannou's eight minutes in the last three years, that's just a really intriguing set of numbers to evaluate and you know to see what Cyril Ghan might have looked like if he had only fought once or twice this year compared to all the experience right, he gained. Yeah. Like That's why he's in a championship setting. Like He's... He's come a long way since that JDS fight in December of 2020. Like, I don't even feel like he's the same guy. Absolutely, man. Um, look, there's always going to be a, a skill and, and technique advantage for Cyril Ghan over uh, Francis Ngannou. But for Francis, there's always that that power advantage. So uh, the athleticism kind of cancels out, I want to say. Um, but I think just Cyril Ghan looks cleaner with his technique. But Francis always brings that power. Uh, so it's it's interesting to just uh, think about the matchup and to think about how that fight would even go. Like, is it going to be a short fight? Is can Strogan make it a a, a long fight? Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, I, I feel like Francis would kill for the uh, for the octagon time that Strogan has had over the last eight months. He would kill for that. Uh, he's been wanting it. Like anybody that would right. step up, he will. He would fight him, but. Um, surreal just he's climbed through these ranks and just uh gained so much experience so much confidence um and now you know it's it's hard for me to just see like who's out there who can out technique him or who can right. outskill him of course there's still some heavyweights out there like john and sipe who would give him a very uh, interesting fight but when it comes to a guy who has the power to knock him out like francis i mean just that matchup is so intriguing both are 6'4", both have 83-inch reaches, uh, both are athletic. I would say maybe mild, in my opinion, mild advantage gone from the athleticism standpoint, but it's not a margin that I think really has a has an impact on the fight at all. Uh, and then, right. you know, as far as the ability to finish a fight, like it's not even a discussion. So, again, I would have a hard time picking gone to beat Francis at this point because everything that's made gone dominant in his fights before you know, this is a matchup sport and everything that's made him dominant in all these matchups to this point is kind of thrown out the window against a guy like Francis. And, uh, you know, maybe he would prove us all wrong that, you know, he's a insanely powerful one punch guy in this fight, but we haven't seen it to this point at least. And that's all that Francis does is KO you when, when he gets his hands on you. So, um, yeah, I would have a hard time picking gone to win this fight today, but I can't wait to see it. And, uh, the, the question I was going to ask you today coming into this podcast, if you had the option, do you want Francis Ngannou versus Cyril Gaon today, or do you want Francis Ngannou versus John Jones today? Uh, I I would want Francis Ngannou and uh, Cyril Gaon today. Um, I think um, just with the way Cyril Gaon has uh, climbed up these ranks and everything that he's shown, 
Uh, and then you got the backstory of uh, them being teammates. And, uh, you know, you, ha- you do, even though you shouldn't have it, you do have the interim title and, you know, uh, combining the belts and stuff. Yeah. So uh, for me today, I feel like since you do have that interim title label, just go ahead and make the uh, Francis Surreal gone. You know, I don't feel, I don't know how, how much John Jones wants to actually fight right now. So, right. Um, I just mean in I'm, a fantasy I'm, world, like you have, you, you're, you're the, you're oh. the commissioner. You get to pick like which one you want. Oh, oh okay. Well, if that's the case, I'm, I'm picking Francis and John. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay fair yeah. Um, look, I, it, again, I think we always have to look at this from two different perspectives. Which fight would I rather see? Like as far as the fight itself, the answer is obviously in Ganu gone. But, like, when you add the entire, you know, package that is a main event of a pay-per-view card and the hype leading up to it and just all the elements, Francis Ngannou, yeah. John Jones, is going to be the biggest fight in UFC history if that were to be made right. tomorrow. So give yes. me Francis Ngannou, John Jones, and, and you know, again, Surreal Gon's only uh, 10 fights into his, his MMA career. I feel like we will still have that opportunity. And look, I'm also in the camp that like get John Jones back into the octagon as soon as you possibly can. I don't know how many elite fights John Jones has left. Maybe it's 10, maybe it's one. I mean, I I don't know. It's, it's a big question mark. He hasn't fought in over a year. Um, You can debate about how great he's been in his last couple of fights and it's a new division. It's against bigger guys. Like there's a, there's a ton of question marks that I think are completely fair in regards to John Jones and what he looks like when he does get back in the octagon. But as it stands right now, you can make the argument that he is the number one dude in the history of the sport. Put him in there with Ngannou. That would be the, that would be the match to make if you could make that thing tomorrow and we didn't have to worry about uh, all the money talk that uh, I think is, is going to yeah. prevent this thing from ever happening. <laughs> yeah, right. See, as much as I would really love to see Francis and John, I think the more that I've watched uh, Surreal gone, you know, I love a good uh, MMA chess match. Yeah. Just the, the thought of Surreal gone and John Jones fighting, like how, what that would look like. I would love to see that fight. So um, if Francis uh, is able to fight Surreal gone, I'm kind of hoping that Surreal gone wins. So I'm like, but yeah. then again, I'm like, man, I really want to see Francis and John because, you know, Francis has that knockout power that could uh, sleep John. So and yeah. we've never really seen him get hit by that guy uh, that can put him out. So, so many uh, fun matchups. And then we've been doing all this heavyweight division talk and we still haven't brought up the greatest heavyweight of all time. Yeah, man. My guy, Stipe. Stipe. <laughs> I feel for that guy. All right. Here's going to do a fun exercise here. And this is, again, just uh, with all the questions about John Jones, I'm just curious where you are because I know you are a massive John Jones fan. If Francis and John Jones were fighting tonight, what is the predicted finish? Um, Winner and method of victory. <laughs> uh, the, the predicted finish. It would be a John Jones uh, decision. Really? You would pick John Jones to beat Francis Ngannou if they were fighting tonight? Yeah. Will Brewer, take off your John Jones fanboy <laughs> shirt. Start evaluating the... I'm just kidding. Uh, I would go... I'd go Francis, round three, finish. Round three. Yeah. I mean, judging by the way that he finished uh, Stipe, I could see that. But yeah. then again, I feel like Stipe is just 
slow, slower than yeah. a guy like John Jones or a surreal gun. Like Stipe, um, like DC kind of pointed this out uh, in their fights uh, to me. It's like uh, DC is so fast. Like Stipe was having a hard time keeping up with them. Yeah. And John was just ha- kind of having his way with DC kind of uh, whenever DC was uh, pursuing him and stuff, John Jones was able to get out of harm's way and stuff. So um, I say that to say um, Francis, he did his thing against Stipe, uh, but I feel like Stipe is just a step slower. Uh, John would be a lot faster. Yeah. He would be a lot craftier. And I feel like he would be able to manage distance a lot better than Stipe did. John didn't look so, super fast against Tiago. He didn't look super fast against Dominic Reyes. He hasn't fought in a year and a half. He's going to be carrying <laughs> extra weight. I think Francis finishes him. But I, I, I do, I mean, John's smart enough that I don't, I, you know, I think that both of those guys would be pretty cautious, which is why I think like, probably goes to round three before we start getting some exchanges. And, and then I think uh, Francis puts him away. Same question, but uh, Surreal Gone and John Jones fight tonight. What's the, uh, who's the winner, round, and method? Well, this fight is going to go to a decision for sure. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, this fight is going to go to a decision for sure. <laughs> it's just a matter of, um, I feel like they both fight kind of similar. Yeah. Um, they're they're okay with having some lulls in the action. They're okay with uh, not having huge uh, striking numbers, uh, very uh, active striking numbers, I guess you want to say. Um, but they'll do just enough to get the nod. Um, so when you're fighting a guy who's pretty similar, like like I feel like the advantage would be to John Jones because as much experience that Cyril Gunn has gained, I feel like John Jones has been doing this since. 2010 or yeah. 11 or whatever the case is so i feel like he would know um what to do just to get the nod so uh right. i would go john jones by decision all right uh give me gone by decision <laughs> all right now the million dollar question same question but it's stipe and john jones now uh, see styles make fights so yeah. I, I honestly feel like Stipe would have the best chance um, to beat John Jones. Well, of course, Francis and his power, but I feel like uh, Stipe uh, would bring a lot more um, things to the table as far as MMA is concerned. He has the boxing. He has the wrestling. Uh, he might be able to get to John in ways that uh, these other guys can't. So um, while uh, John would have the speed advantage and stuff, uh, Stipe can put him out and he can grapple with him. So John would really have to be uh, – very, very cautious on how he approaches the fight, but um, dang, man. I don't want to do this because I feel like I, re- I really do sound like a fanboy, <laughs> I, but I feel like, I feel like, okay, I'm going to say I'm going I'm to go John with a decision. Okay. I was going to say finish, but I just don't think he, I don't think he finishes anyone at heavyweight. I think it's all decision. Agreed. This is the toughest one for me. Because I'm really yeah, torn. Yeah. I could. I. I mean, this is such a good matchup, and I think there's also something to the fact that, like, for me, it's a big question. Just overall, what John looks like against Francis and Surreal Gone, just strictly because of the size. Like those guys yeah. are significantly bigger, but they're also pretty athletic at their size, and. I'm not saying that John wouldn't be, but I think, you know, you have, I mean, I think he even said like, you have to kind of learn how to move with the extra pounds. Stipe is kind of the perfect segue to that division, right? Like 
He's bigger, yeah. but he's not like pushing the the weight limit at heavyweight. Like he's kind of right in the middle of that heavyweight division uh, between what is he about two forty ish? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like while the guy is super diverse and obviously the most accomplished heavyweight of all time. Like I, I think that that's probably the way that John Jones should go to to break into the heavyweight division is against a guy that you're not going to feel that size difference as massively in the first fight in that division as it would be with Francis or with, uh, with surreal gone. That said, um, man, that's, I think I'd have to go to steep a decision, man. Oh man. I think I would. John can't get no love from you, man. But you know, I want to ask you this true or false. Uh, if Steve Miocic was the heavyweight champion today, would, would John Jones have already fought him for the title? If Stipe was, if Stipe beats had beat Francis, would we have already seen John Jones, or would have would we be um, at this point where John Jones is holding out if Stipe was champion? I think that Dana would be much more inclined to pay John Jones the big money to fight Stipe than the current situation because this is not a knock on Stipe. But Stipe is not as electrifying as a Francis Ngannou. I think a Francis Ngannou fight is significantly easier to sell if you're the UFC because it's like, hey, this guy's going to go KO somebody. Buy the pay-per-view. Watch him knock somebody out. Right. Uh, versus, you know, there's a reason why we say Stipe's massively underrated. It's because people yeah. don't appreciate his style as much. So I think it's probably a little easier for the UFC to say, hey, we've got to get somebody on the other side of Stipe that can help sell this fight beyond just, hey, the heavyweight champion is involved. So I would say yes. I think that they would be much more inclined to pay John what he wants if Stipe is the champ than Francis. Yeah, I I agree. I think that um, had Stipe won, I've, I just feel like it would be a lot easier on, on both sides uh, yeah. for, for the UFC and for John just to get this done. Uh, and but now, uh, Francis might be John's first and last heavyweight fight. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, for me, I don't feel like John has that many more fights left. I think, I, agree. Um, I think he has one, maybe two, uh, with the way that he's been holding out and with all the activities that he's doing outside of the cage. Uh, I definitely feel like he, um, he's realizing that he's not, he doesn't have that much time left. Uh, in the sport. So if he's going to fight a guy like Francis, who has a scary knockout power, he wants to be uh, paid for it because he, that might be his last one. Yeah. The guy's fought twice in the last two years. He's fought three times in the last two and a half years. Like I said, it, it, uh, it was not a pretty decision over a significantly um, reduced Tiago Santos and I, you and I will never agree on this, but uh, he lost to Dominic Reyes on my scorecard. Um, I, I feel like we've, we've seen the wheels in motion as far as John, the beginning of his decline. I'm not saying he's done, but we've seen the wheels in motion as far as I don't think he's at the top of his game. You add the, the amount of time off and, you know, a new division and bigger guys and, you know, arguably the most athletic and skilled heavyweights that we've ever seen in the history of this sport. I, I just think it's, uh, 
Yeah, it's bad timing for John Jones to decide he wants to go up to heavyweight with what, oh. what Ngannou and, and Cyril Gaon have brought to the table. But uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Stipe is, is the fight to make. Yeah, look, when DC went up to heavyweight uh, and did his thing, John should have definitely uh, been going up to heavyweight way before he immediately, did. Immediately, like, yes. Bro, like immediately. Like now he's at the situation where there's Francis and Cyril and Stipe and all these guys. But back then there was just Derek Lewis, Stipe, and, uh, uh, and DC. And then yeah. when DC retired, John should have just went ahead and uh, let me fight Stipe. Like, <laughs> yeah. Get, get, uh, that's his best chance to me. Uh, I know cause, because the more Cyril gone fights, the the worst of a matchup that that fight turns into for John Jones, and then the more that Francis fights these high level guys, the worst of a matchup that is for John Jones. I feel like uh, he's kind of he's kind of okay with waiting to just fight one guy and be like, okay, you're the best guy. I want to fight you. Um, but man, it he should have definitely made that made that decision to go up the heavyweight way before this. Well, and, sure. and let's let's also give him some credit because he decided to go up to heavyweight what a year ago, right? Yeah, about a year ago. I, I I pulled up the rankings. I actually did this last Saturday when I was when we were before uh, the the gone Lewis fight because I was just thinking like, man, this heavyweight division has really changed rapidly in the last year. So I pulled up the top fifteen rankings from a year ago at this time. So. And I think at this point, DC, let's see. So Stipe's the champion. Then you have DC. You have JDS. You have Overeem. You have Verdum. You have Olenek. And you have Arlovsky. All highly ranked heavyweights. Fast forward a year, none of those guys are currently ranked in the top 15 in the heavyweight division. In fact, five oh. of them aren't even in the UFC fighting anymore. So, again, like, the division is night and day different in a short amount of time. Stipe's not the champ anymore. DC retires. JDS retires. Overeem retires. Verdum is in, uh, what, PFL. Um, yeah. I, I'm not sure what a Linux situation is. I know he fought recently, but uh, he is certainly nowhere close to an elite heavyweight at this point. Um, Arlovsky's currently, you know, still a, a you know, a nice draw uh, and a, a guy that you like to you know throw out there against young guns, but he's not you know necessarily in the in the top fifteen picture at this point either. So, I mean, you're talking about a different champion and six guys that were ranked in the top fifteen that were you know known commodities that now are on the on the wrong side of the age part of this whole equation. And uh, you know, let's let's also look at Curtis Blades was like one of the top contenders. Um, yeah. Francis still kind of had that like stigma with losing to Stipe and the Derek Lewis fight. And even though he had knocked a bunch of people out, like I, I kind of feel like it took beating Stipe to really solidify that he wasn't just a big puncher. Um, so right. yeah, I think like, you know, a year ago when John decided, Hey, I'm going to go to heavyweight, like made a lot of sense then. Now it's like, Oh man, the division's completely different and he still hasn't <laughs> right. got a fight at heavyweight in the UFC. Yeah, uh, just to think about the the state of the heavyweight division, it's it has really grown in a short amount of time because these young guys like the Cyril guys, like the Tom Aspinalls, like uh, Chris Dawkins, like they kind of just uh, came up during that uh, pandemic era and everything. Uh, so 
as the older guys have fizzled out, you know, these young guys have really uh, made a stamp. And these guys are good everywhere. Like like we're saying, like uh, with, with Surreal Gun, how he's the evolution of the MMA in, in the heavyweight division. There's there's more guys who are like that. There's more big guys who are athletic, like the Tom Aspinall of the, of the world. So, um, yeah, uh, John definitely should have made the decision earlier. But, I mean, he's here now. And he's going to have to fight one of these guys. Yeah. He can't go back on it now. He's got to fight one of these guys. Yeah. Uh, whoever comes out of this whole um, this whole thing with Nganu and Gan and maybe even Stipe, whoever comes out of it as champion, uh, then John Jones will, will step in and fight him. All right, Will. So our co-main event, UFC 265, was uh, a division right now that is absolutely on fire. We had bantamweights, Josie Aldo and Pedro Munoz. We were on the opposite side of our picks in this one. I said I thought Munoz would win if he was going forward and he was vintage Pedro. Kind of felt like uh, he fought Aldo's fight. And and to be honest with you, Aldo has probably never looked better. Yeah, man. It's hard for me to to, to pick anyone against Aldo in a three-round fight. Um just he's able the way he's able to control things and i feel like uh the more fights that he's had at 135 he's more uh confident and being active uh, at that division i feel like with with Marais, um he didn't fight to his full potential especially against peter Yan. um in a in a five round setting i want to see how that looks but with uh when a three round fight most of these bantamweights aren't going to be able to keep up with aldo um the way he's uh taking care of his body this time around uh with bad with dropping down 10 pounds um it, it it's it's crazy man and i feel like more people in the mma world are appreciating uh what auto has done uh, especially the the commentators you can just tell like he's a legend of the sport and i feel like people are actually uh starting to treat him like that um pedro fought i feel like he fought well but i i just think Aldo's just on another level man yeah, uh, look, I mean, Aldo is a future Hall of Famer. The guy's a former champion, and, you know, he's dropping down a weight class. He looked absolutely shredded uh, right. in, in, in the octagon. I thought Pedro Munoz needed to win a brawl, I, I think, to win this fight. He was never going to be more technically efficient than Aldo. I mean, that was that's just not... I, I don't think that's Pedro's game, and you're playing into, I think, Aldo's strength by trying to do that. So I, I thought that... Uh, we needed to see vintage Pedro just, you know, I'm going to eat whatever and come forward and hit you no matter what. Now, I think I, I also don't want to shortchange Aldo from how good he was at preventing Pedro from really unleashing. But I also felt like uh, there was maybe a hesitancy from Pedro to really like go all out in that regard. But um, I mean, Aldo just it felt like will everything he threw was landing. I mean, I, I don't know what the percentage was, but. He, he was extremely dialed in, and like I said, I think just from a, from a how sharp he looked in every aspect of the game, he looked as good as ever and certainly doesn't look like a fading star by any means. Definitely not. His defense, uh, I feel like it's just been uh, on another level since he moved to uh, bantamweight, man. Uh, and then his activity is, is going up as well. And then uh, we were talking about how good Pedro looked with his calf kicks against uh, Jimmy Rivera. Yeah. I feel like Aldo was, uh, he studied a lot of tape on that. And uh, Pedro went to the calf kicks early and Aldo had an answer for it. So I, I feel like that kind of deterred uh, Pedro from throwing many of them. 
Um, but yeah, Aldo kind of, I don't know if he really like was checking them per se, but I definitely feel like he um, was kind of blocking them in a way. It, I don't know. It, it, it was, it was a different technique um, to, to kind of alleviate the, the force of the uh, calf kick, but it, it definitely was effective. And yeah, I mean, Aldo at 135, he's a problem. Uh, but I still wonder what it looks like uh, Aldo going up to fight a five-round main event, it, no matter if it's against Dillashaw or Peter Yan yeah. or Rafant, whoever it is. Um, I want to see Aldo in a five-round fight because um, against Peter Yan, like if that Peter Yan fight ended after the third round, Jose Aldo would have won. He he won the first two rounds and uh, Peter Yan won the last round. But what does that look like with those championship rounds? So that's that's the only question for me with Aldo going forward. Yeah, and and look, to be fair, we're also comparing him in that regard to the guy that that probably should have the belt around his waist. So uh, right. take that for what it's worth as well. Um, this division is loaded. And, I mean, just when you look at the names in the top 15, it's like, holy cow. And then look at, like, the next 10 names. Um, I made the joke on Saturday night after Miles John's performance, like, bantamweight currently needs a top 25. Like, there are not... <laughs> Like, I, I feel like it's almost like unfair to say, like, we're only going to put a number next to 15 names in this division, because right now, you know, a lot like 155, like, I think you could go all the way down to, to 25 dudes and be like, you know, that guy is good enough to have a number next to his name. Uh, we'll get to the, you know, the song you Casey Kinney fight in a minute. But uh, as far as Aldo and this division, what do you want to see next? For Aldo? Yeah. Um... Okay, I'd I'd go two ways here. Uh, either, and both of them, I want to see five rounds, uh, a five round main event. I think you could go Aldo and Rob Font, five round main event. I feel like um, that's probably the the better of it. But then again, as far as the name value, I would go. I want to see Aldo and uh, Dominic Cruz. What if I said Aldo Dillashaw? Again, not saying that will happen, but if if I present you with your choice of Aldo Dillashaw, Aldo Cruz, or Aldo Font, what do you want to see? Um, of course, I would want to see Dillashaw and Aldo, but I think go ahead and you know Dillashaw just beat the number one guy, the guy that was supposed to be the champ yeah. or the fighting for the title. So since he since he won that fight, TJ deserves the title shot, but so. I would want to see Aldo fight either uh, Font or Cruz, but that matchup itself, Aldo and Dillashaw, that's a very, very uh, intriguing fight uh, because, I mean, just the, what that would look like for five rounds, that would be an incredible fight. And then TJ would mix in his wrestling. Aldo is so defensively sound with, the, with in the striking realm. Like, it's just the movement of Dillashaw, you know, uh, Aldo is just so uh, locked in. Uh, he was, he's always going to be pushing forward. Like, that fight would be incredible. Yeah. Um, I think the one that, I, that one probably would be my first pick just to see, you know, what happens. I think when you take the overall bantamweight picture into account and just where everybody is as far as the path to the belt, uh, to me, the fight that makes the most sense is Dominic Cruz, Aldo, it's, you know, two former champions. It's uh, guys that are future Hall of Famers. It's easy to sell. And it's two guys that are kind of on the, 
you know, their, their, their final run, I think at, uh, getting another belt around their waist and, uh, to, you know, either one of these guys is really going to gain a lot of traction in that regard with a win in this matchup. And, you know, for the sake of a division that's absolutely loaded, you're able to at least maybe take one of those names out of the title equation and uh, give some other people an opportunity. So I love the idea of Aldo Cruz, not only for the fight that it would be, but for what it kind of does for the winner of that fight and what it does for the rest of that division. Yeah, all, all these fights uh, in that division are, are so crazy. Uh, just the stylistic matchups. I And I do feel like... Um, Aldo should fight Cruz or Font. And whoever he doesn't get, I feel like should fight Corey Sanhagen. Like Sanhagen versus Cruz or Sanhagen versus uh, Rob Font, both of those fights are incredible. So, um, and then I'm just going to go ahead and just say this uh, because I can't, I can't uh, just get it out of my head because we're on the subject. I've, we've been on this show talking how 155 is the best division in the UFC. Uh, as of last Saturday, uh, I have officially uh, left the wagon. Whoa! <laughs> and I'm going to say that nice. 135 is the best division in the nice. UFC. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, I was actually, I was thinking about that on Saturday night, and I think the difference for me is, I think 135 is deeper but I still like, like when I, when I think about the top five guys in those two divisions, like I still lean 155. It's just, it's crazy to me when you look at, when they showed the rankings. Yeah. Aljamain Sterling, Peter Yan, Jose Aldo, Cody Garbrandt, Corey Sanhagen, Dominic Cruz, Dillashaw. Frankie Edgar, yeah. TJ Dillashaw. Like that division yeah. is so loaded. And then you got the, the young guys who are not even getting much shine. Sean O'Malley, Adrian Yanez. I mean, like you said, yeah. 135 is deeper, but 155 at the top, it's just, yeah. you know, got stars down the line. But just 135, I feel like every fight card, I'm watching a right. 135 uh, division fight that's just crazy, crazy good. And there was a few of them on uh, last Saturday night where I'm just like, man. Right. Miles Johns, I'm just like, man, he's, he's not even in the, I don't even know he's in the top 25, but that dude, it looked incredible. He's a problem, dude. He is a problem is at a 135. Problem. Like, he's another name that it's just like, holy cow. There needs to be a top 25 in the bantamweight division, without a doubt. I think the only, my my biggest argument against that would be, like, look at the five names at 155, and it's Oliveira, prime of his career. Poirier, prime of his career. Chandler, prime of his career. Gaethje, prime of his career. Darius, prime of his career. I think when you look at 135, it's like a smattering of, legends that maybe not at the very best of their game and guys that are on the rise but still have a higher ceiling so there are a few guys I think in that division right now that are like at the height of what they're ever going to be but I think it's it's also a lot of guys that maybe just past the height but still extremely great fighters and guys that are still emerging and for me there's just a little bit of a separation between like peak of their power guys at 135 versus 155. Yeah, when you look at it that way, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. But uh, just the, that top 15 as, yeah. a, as a whole, man, I, I'm yeah. having a hard time just being like 155. Because then, 
I mean, you look down who's outside of the top five. You then, then you have uh, Islam at 155. You have uh, you know Connor still there. Tony Ferguson still there. So there's 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 guys at 155. Um, I, I don't know, man. You can still make that case. At 155 is is still better. But I think I can't turn back now. <laughs> One thirty-five. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Um, you know what? It's good that uh, no longer I can I can say undisputedly the best uh, division in the sport. So at least you know what I one thirty five is right there for me. I mean it's it's a close second. Um, I mean literally every week it's like we get either a guy like solidifying his spot at one thirty five or a guy that we're like holy cow like this dude is this guy this guy's got to be ranked and then you're like wait. No, there's nowhere for him to go. Like, there's <laughs> right. not an open spot to be had. Uh, this guy looks like a killer, and uh, he can't move up because it's just right. it's so loaded. Um, I, I would say I would say this. I, I think the matchmaking at 135 is probably more fun right now. Yeah, absolutely, way more fun uh, because there's so many hungry guys at the bottom of the division, and then there's and then when you go to the top, uh, there's all these guys who have championship aspirations. And it's just not even one through five. It's six through ten. It's six through, you know, yeah. all, all the way down to 15. Like, all these guys are trying to really uh, make, a, make a push for the title. And whereas the, some of the guys in 155, I mean, they say they want the title, but then there's the, the money that's involved. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, uh, let's uh, let's move on on this UFC 265 card from last Saturday night. Uh, we were on the opposite side of this fight as well. Welterweights, Vicente Luque and Michael Chiesa. Will, you're shaking your head. Man, uh, just, it was going so good. Like, I felt like Chiesa was fighting such a, uh, a great fight. He was moving. Uh, uh, Luque was never really able to land anything on him. He shoots for the takedown, gets the takedown. Uh, he's got all these uh, submission attempts. And then just on the way up, uh, just Luke just grabbed a hold of his neck. I mean, it was just a split second yeah. of it's like, I don't know what was taking Kiesa so long to get up, but it was just, it was really, really quick on how uh, Luke just grabbed a hold of his neck. Um, man. And then for him. J- that is not the way I expected that fight to end. If you would have told me that Luke is going to win by submission, I probably would have been like, nah, no way. There's no way that right. KS is going to let Luke wrap him in the submission. But um, credit to Luke, man. That is a very, very big win for him. The thing is, we know that Luke is good on the ground. It's just, it's a lot like that. You know, I think I actually said last Saturday, like, I think he's the welterweight version of, of Benil Dariush. Like, it's it, guys that are really well rounded, that are have been in great stand-up fights that I think like as we get further on the you know the the ranking matchups uh have to start showing their skills more and showing a more diverse arsenal than just like getting into brawls every time and you know Darius was a guy that I think you know for several fights in a row is just like this guy's insane he's just like getting into these wars and uh you know luckily for him he was coming out on the right side of them but at some point, you're going to fight guys that are way more skilled, and you got to start showing the other tools that you have. And same thing for Luke. I think, you know, like everybody over the course of, of fight week going into this was like, you know, what are we going to see Luke just throw caution to the wind and, and uh, you know, try and just beat the hell out of this guy in the stand-up? Um, I told you, I, I think that 
just seeing the level of competition he's facing and facing a guy that's going to pre- present a completely different challenge is going to show us the entire diversity of Vincent, Vicente Luque's, I always say Vincent, Vicente <laughs> Luque's game. And, uh, man, I'm, I, I, I'm a big fan of this guy, and I can't wait to see what's next. In fact, Will, um, if you gave me the option right now to uh, make a quick change and change the, the promo posters as we speak, let's just uh, Photoshop Luque over Colby Covington for 268, and let's go Usman Luque, 268. He took no damage against Kiesa. It, the fight was over in three minutes. It was all on the ground, took no shots to the face. Like, 268, let's just go Luque, Usman and avoid the uh, exhaustion that we're all going to be presented with with Colby Covington. Colby Covington's terrible trash talk. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not looking forward to it either. I mean, of course, Colby is just trying to sell the fight, but yeah. Yeah. It, it does get pretty annoying for sure. Uh, and it just it makes you want to see Colby lose that much more. Um, so, I, I mean, like after Usman beat him, I was so happy. <laughs> it broke his jaw. Like, there was nothing better, but... I'm with you, kind of. Um, Luke deserves a title shot after that, man. Uh, the guys ranked in front of him, like the Burns, uh, he just he already had a title shot. Kobe's already had a title shot. I mean, there's Leon, who's won, uh, you know, so many in a row. But, you know, his last performance against Nate Diaz, does that get you a title shot um, after the way that it ended? So, right. um, so I mean, I, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing uh, Vicente Luque step in and, and get a title shot. But if he if he doesn't, if he's got to make if he's got to fight again, what do you want to see him? Who do you want to see him fight against? Um, what do you think about a Wonder Boy matchup? Well, if they they had fought previously, like what was it last year, and Wonder Boy won, um, was it just last? And- I feel like that was way longer. It might have been last year or it might have been this is 2021 so it was 2019 when they fought. It was oh you're right it was 2019. I guess we've just seen uh we've seen Luke fight four times since then. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you're I, yeah, I guess you're right. I, I thought it was further back than that but um I don't know, he's on a four fight win streak opportunity to avenge your loss against basically the only other guy ranked in that part of the, you know, the rankings because it looks like Burns and, and Leon are getting ready to dance. Obviously, Colby and Usman are there. So if he has to fight again, like, to me, that one makes the most sense because you're not going to have him go all the way down to fight somebody that's ranked 10th. Um, right. Wonderboy's got a massive name. It's his chance to avenge a loss. And, you know, he, his last loss, he's won four straight fights since then. I just, to me, that's the obvious one. Yeah, I, but I, 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 I like, guess I guess in retrospect, like I didn't realize it had only been two years. So if you want to say like it's too soon, then maybe. But I don't know. He's fought four times since then. Yeah, um, I mean, for me, I, I mean, I'll be fine with seeing it again. But I mean, Gilbert Burns just beat him. So I kind of feel like Wonderboy's kind of taken out of that top level um, of contenders. Right. But then again, there's somebody who's the odd man out. Like, I think we got the title picture with uh, with Usman and, and Colby. Masvidal? And then you got... Oh, okay, I, I want to see that one because of uh, Masvidal's star power, and he's just coming off of two uh, title losses. So that one will make sense to me. But, um, yeah, I, for, for me, sign me up. Give me Luke and Masvidal or like a Luke and Nadia. Yeah. 
I mean, look, if, if it's me and I have my, my choice to say how this thing goes, I told you my first option is, is Luke Usman. Now just let's, let's yeah. make two sixty eight happen. Luke in place of Colby Covington, because I, you know, even though the, the Covington Usman fight was just amazing, it was a great fight. Yeah. Colby's fought one time since then. And it was against right. Tyron Woodley. I don't know that that necessarily, I mean, when we look at earning another title, if we want to talk about earning another title shot, like I don't think he's done enough to earn another title shot. It kind of feels like he's just getting this because of, of the lack of options. But with the Luke win, I don't think there's a lack of options. But if, if we are, if we have that locked in, what I would want to see for the rest of the division is it's finally time to make the Leon Masvidal fight. Oh Yeah. And then go Gilbert Burns Luke for the number one contender. Now, that's the fight that I would love to see, but I don't think they would fight each other because they're uh, teammates, yeah, right? Uh, but I mean, if you want to put that aside and uh, see who really deserves to fight for the title, I think that's a a really really fun matchup Agreed. that would that could go a lot of different ways. It could go. Uh, it would be great to see them on the ground. It would be great to see them standing up. It would be great to see them grapple. Like any way that that fight goes, that fight would be exciting. But I just don't think that they would ever fight each other. Yeah, no, I, I that's uh, that's a very real possibility. But I don't know, man. It's 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 kind of a uh, that division's so crazy because like I don't think Covington deserves a like has earned like I said a title shot. Um, I don't know. Like, would you be would you be for Gilbert Burns getting another up? Like, if we were if we were opening two sixty eight back up for Usman, would you want Burns getting that spot today? Um, Leon, you know, it's like he's he had all this time off, and then he comes back, and it's the eye poke against Bilal, and then it's like you're a minute away from a title shot after twenty four dominant minutes against Nate Diaz, and then like the final minute happens, and you just walk away like, damn, like. You can't give Leon right. a title shot. Like it's felt like he was limping to the finish line. Um, so like I, I don't know that I, I don't know that uh, Usman Leon is a, a a good seller at this point. Like I think Leon just needs to win in impressive fashion at this point after the two disappointing performances. Um, Masvidal just had two shots. Wonder Boy just lost. Like yeah. Eh. So for for me, like. I don't think that there's anybody that deserves the title shot more than Leon. As much as his last two performances were underwhelming, I do think with the resume that he's put up, all the uh, wins that he has, uh, I do. I don't think that there's anyone who deserves it more than than him. But since those last two performances were so underwhelming, um, what's the fight that's going to sell the most? It's Usman and Kobe. So while I uh, I'm not opposed to seeing the Usman and Kobe fight. Um, I just don't think there's any like real options outside of Luke. But then again, I'm just like Luke doesn't Luke doesn't really deserve the 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 fight more than a Leon yeah. or more than a Gilbert. So I just feel like they're all kind of bunched in the same kind of category yeah. right now. Well, and and look, like I think you can to your Leon point. I mean, Luke is one of the wins in Leon's current welterweight win streak. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. But like like I said, the problem is with Leon, you have the long layoff and then I poke finish and final minute against Nate where it's just like, ugh. It just <laughs> feels like the guy can't gain any traction and uh, he has no momentum going into a title fight right now. Like none. Yeah, no no momentum. I mean, if Usman and, and, and 
uh, Leon was booked. I mean, everyone w- would think back to that Nate Diaz fight. And, oh, this is the guy that just, you know, was yeah. on the stanky, doing the stanky leg for the last minute <laughs> yeah, of that fight. Right. So, um, yeah, it's tough to really give him that title shot, but he does deserve it. It's just so much bad luck with right. Leon over the last two years. Um, but, I mean, you know, Luke is on that list of Leon's victims. I don't know. I just feel like they're all kind of bunched in right now. Uh, no one's really, like, um, separated themselves. And the only reason why Kobe's getting that title shot is because that's the fight that sells the most and because of their first fight. Right. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, but I am uh, I am team Vicente Luque at 170. Let's do it. <laughs> and look, the guy even said, like, I, I'm, an, I'm an exciting fighter. Yeah. He's not wrong about that. That's an interesting matchup for Usman, too, um, just with the way that he can uh, – his stand-up and then with the way that he is on the ground. I mean, just like Usman was with Burns, he's going to have to be really cautious on how he approaches that fight. Agreed. Um, Luke chin better than Burns? I would say so because um, I think Luke has been fighting at 170 a lot longer than uh, – than Gilbert, and I, I just don't think that he had felt uh, the power of someone like Usman before. While Luke has been in brawls for yeah, all the right. for all these years with the, with some of his heavy heavy hitters, and he's uh, always fought well. So, um, yeah, definitely Luke's chin better than Burns. So uh, speaking of that, uh, Leon Edwards and Gilbert Burns uh, taking jabs at each other on Twitter. Uh, Leon told Gilbert Burns, you should fight Luke. You already snake one of your friends from the gym. What's uh, another one to you, to your point earlier? Uh, right. And then Gilbert Burns um, comes back with, your best win is Nate Diaz, who is unranked. And the last time he beat a true welterweight is never. You were on a nine-fight <laughs> win streak and nobody gives a shit about you. I've beat legends in Woodley, Maya, and Wonderboy. Come get this smoke. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> right. I, I love the uh, I, Gilbert Burns, Leon Edwards would be a terrific fight. Yeah, I mean, if if Leon wins that one, I don't think that there's any other way. I mean, even if it's an underwhelming performance, I don't think there's anywhere else for him to go than uh, the title shot. Um, uh, put that as a five round main event. But, you know, I think with Gilbert Burns, I don't think there's any way that that fight's not exciting because uh, Gilbert Burns' style calls for an exciting fight. So yeah, um, I don't feel like Leon's just going to be able to have his way and just kind of coast for five rounds. I think Gilbert's really going to take it to him. So if I'm Leon and I know that, um, I mean, the, the probability of a title shot without another fight is low, just go ahead and fight uh, the, a guy like Gilbert Burns and prove yourself. Uh, kind of like uh, what Dustin did. He bet on himself. I think Leon should bet on himself. Yeah. I'm trying to find the tweet now. Um, oh, here it is. This is from uh, this is from June, but uh, he was taking a jab at, uh, <laughs> pun intended, taking a jab <laughs> at uh, Gilbert Burns. He said, you got knocked out with a jab. Hashtag no chin burns. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the more that, the more that uh, I think about this matchup, the more that I want to see it, man. Um, put Leon, that's going to give Leon a dogfight uh, at 170. And that's, I feel like that's something that he's missing. Uh, just the, the, the excitement factor. Uh, yeah, put that, book that fight, UFC. There we go. There we go. 
All right, uh, what else do we have? UFC 265 uh, just last Saturday night. Um, let's see, I lost my... Uh, what was the car, What was the fight before that? Do you remember? I just lost yeah, my uh, webpage. Tisha Torres That's over right. Angela Hill. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not surprising that you forgot something about Tisha Torres. <laughs> Tisha Torres, Angela Hill... Uh, it goes the distance, all three rounds, all 15 minutes. Tisha Torres by unanimous decision. You know, uh, Tisha, I think she's just on a level uh, above. I, You know, we talked about this last week, the murderous row of fighters that she fought on her four-fight losing streak. I think people kind of wrote her off, but like, like it's a murderous row of, of fighters. Joanna, Wei Li, um, uh, Marina Rodriguez, like all these fighters. Uh, that she's fought um, champions, championship level fighters, and I. While Angela Hill has made a lot of improvements, uh, Tisha's just on the, on another yeah. level. Yeah. Uh, main card started out with Song Yudong and Casey Kinney. This was one of the fights that we had circled as a potential fight of the night candidate. This is also a uh, three rounder that goes the full fifteen. Song Yudong by split decision. Will um, full transparency. I'm trying to watch this fight on Saturday night, and my neighbors decided that uh, for the for the like 31st weekend in a row, they're going to put on a fireworks show. And right as this fight begins is when the fireworks begin, and it's complete chaos. The dogs are losing their shit. It was just, it was madness. And uh, I didn't really get to see a whole lot of this fight. I meant to actually go back and watch it at some point this week, and I've just failed to do that. But uh, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to give me the breakdown on Song Yudong and Casey Kenny. Well, um, <laughs> basically, this was a pretty uh, solid fight. Um, Casey Kenny, I thought that his pressure um, was gonna be problematic for Song, and I thought with him fighting a guy like Dominic Cruz, uh, I thought just the puzzle of Song Yudong wasn't as complicated as the puzzle of uh, Dominic Cruz, but. Um, Song Yudong proved that uh, that pressure, he didn't wilt under that pressure. He proved that he could take it and uh, he could still be uh, uh, flashy, still be an accurate striker. Uh, it really took the fight to Casey Kenny. He was hurting him. Uh, I don't think he dropped him, but he definitely was hurting him with his jab and everything. Uh, Song, he looked really, really good. I didn't have it as a split decision, but there was some moments of uh, control. Uh, that, but um, in terms of the damage and the striking exchanges and everything, I definitely felt like Song got the better, um, so I had it two one for for Song, but um, it was a it was a pretty solid fight for sure. I heard Dana White say, or or I think maybe somebody asked him in the uh, post fight press conference uh, about Song Yudong and only being twenty three years old. That's insane. That is twenty three years I didn't old. Realize I didn't realize that I didn't either. Realize he was that young. Uh, but he's, I mean. To be only 23 years old, so all the skill that he has, like it's it's just crazy, um, and and he's just another guy at 135, right? <laughs> that we that doesn't get much shine, but he's very very uh, a very very good fighter. Yeah, um, lost to Kyler Phillips. Um, I you know I know he got the win over Cheeto Vera, but uh, I thought that was a bad decision. But I mean, still for a guy that's 23 fighting in that division to have uh, already the the resume that he's put together, um, big things ahead for Song Yudong. Uh, again, I mean, it's just, it's a, uh, there's like 25 dudes that I think you could make the case for to uh, have a number next to their name at 135. 
All right, Will, feature prelim was the fight of the night as well. Uh, Rafael Fazeev and Bobby Green, we knew this was going to be a great fight. A, because Fazeev just brings it every single time. And, you know, as far as Bobby Green, like nobody's making the argument that Bobby Green is an elite lightweight, but the guy's been in the octagon a ton. He has a ton of experience. He's never going to shy away from a war, and Bobby Green absolutely held up his end of this bargain. What an awesome fight that was. Yeah, I mean, Fasiv, uh to take the fight to Bobby Green the way he did, uh, he was talking to him, exchanging, you know, words with him. Like, nobody really does that with Bobby Green. Uh, uh, and he, he showed just uh, the the level of striking that he has. Uh, it's warranted all the all the hype that he's had around his striking. Um the leg kicks, the body work, uh, the punches that he was landing. It was it was all just a masterful performance for Vasiv. And you can see why um, so many people are so high on him. Yeah. Um, as far as, you know, the decision, I thought it was a, pr- a pretty clear win for him. I know there's been a lot of um, of people talking about how that third round was clearly for Bobby Green, which I agree. But, I mean, the you know, the judge got it wrong, but it didn't really have an effect on the fight. I right. mean, Vasiv clearly won that fight. And uh, being a guy like a veteran like Bobby Green, um, I think it's time for him to move up uh, to fight some of these uh, ranked fighters. Yeah, I mean, like, the bottom line is, again, he may not factor into the uh, the title picture, but he's a guy that shows up every single time. I mean, how many times did he fight last year? I felt like Bobby Green was on. I mean, a lot like Kevin Holland. Like, every other card, it just seemed like Bobby Green yeah. was stepping, stepping up for somebody. And uh, he delivers every single time. And I think especially with, uh, with that fight against a guy that, you know, is easily a top 15 guy. And I actually think that Fazeev uh, cracked the top 15 this week. But, uh, yeah, Bobby Green, I think... Um, is absolutely worthy of of being the dance partner to anybody in the top fifteen at one fifty five. And as 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 for Rafael Fazeev, I think I might have texted you this on Saturday. If I didn't, then I, I I probably meant to and just uh forgot to actually type it into my phone. But I mean, if we're looking at this guy and you know one fifty five, a lot like one thirty five, it's it's tough to move up. It's tough to get those elite matchups because at the top of this division, you have a bunch of guys that that like deserve title shots. Um, if we're looking at Fazeev and what makes sense and what's next and what would be exciting and what would be a great seller and a guy that I think could potentially a year or two from now factor into the uh, the championship equation, let's see what Connor looks like when he comes back from the injury. And uh, oh, let's yeah. go Connor McGregor, Fazeev. It takes Connor away from those those guys right now that, like we talked about earlier, are at the peak of their powers in the top five at 155. So it's a, it's a small step down, but it's still an extremely dangerous opponent. It potentially puts Fazeev over the top. And then as far as just the stylistic matchup, that's a can't miss war that will be exceptional. And the two guys aren't shy to speak their mind. So like when you wrap the whole thing up in a package, it's like, Hey, this is gold. This would be amazing. Yeah, I, I'm with you on the matchup. Uh, I think that matchup would be uh, incredible. Um, Fasiv would be talking trash to him. I, I kind of don't even like that matchup for Connor at this point because I feel like Fasiv's uh, uh, pressure and just how accurate he is with his strikes. Uh, Connor would really have to come back and be um, on top of his game yeah, because I, I feel like by the time uh, Connor gets back, Fasiv would have um, fought so much in the octagon that uh, that matchup would wouldn't really be that great for Connor on paper. But um, 
Yeah, I'm with you, but I mean, would Conor McGregor look at Rafael Vasiv and be like, that's him. That's the guy I want to fight. Uh, I, at this point, I feel like there's not many uh, matchups left for Conor to fight. I feel like it's going to be um, like a name like a Nate Diaz or a Tony Ferguson. Yeah. But um, if he if he really wants to, and if he because he he can fight anybody he wants, but if he if he really wants to fight a guy like Vasiv, I mean that would really uh, earn him some respect among hard, hardcore fans. So yeah. I mean, who knows? Well, like you said, there's not a lot of places for him to go anyway. Um, you know, there's not an easy fight in this division that is also like something that can sell. So unless you want to go the route of like an RDA or a Tony Ferguson or like a guy that is on the other side of the prime of their career, um, I you know, I don't know. I mean, Con- it's Connor, so a win over anybody. He's always one win away from being back in the equation. But like, like say he fights Tony Ferguson, I don't think a win over Tony Ferguson necessarily like says, hey, Connor's back, right? Like it's so, I mean, he's going to have to fight somebody if he wants to get to where he wants to get to. And it's not going to be against one of the guys that's currently in the top five. So if you start looking at that top 15, like who makes sense and who's also going to give us a good fight like that, that to me would be an obvious choice. But like you said, I I could totally understand uh, Connor wanting somebody that, that has a a much bigger following. Yeah. uh, Just for the pay-per-view part of it. I mean, I'm sure, um, whenever it con- comes back, it's going to be a big deal. It's going to sell uh, regardless of who he fights. Um, but I'm sure the, the UFC will want to put him against someone who also has a name, someone that people know. Um, and who knows? Maybe Vasiv has, has built that by the time uh, Connor comes back. But um, if not, you know, uh, I do think one of these guys who, who have a name, who's been around for a while, like the Tonys or the RDAs would be uh, the one that he comes back against. By the way, uh, for what it's worth, I would pick Fazeev to win that fight. Against McGregor? Yeah. Me too. Same here. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, All right. Um, We don't have to go through every fight on the prelims, but uh, I can just uh, ask for uh, anything that really stood out to you as far as the rest of the card. Um, I thought uh, Alonzo Minifield, Ed Herman, was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, props to Manel Cop, who uh, yeah. gets a, a just an incredible finish over uh, Osborne with that flying knee. And then I think we we kind of hit on this a little bit earlier, but uh, look out, bantamweights, Miles John. Good lord, another name at one thirty-five to be aware of because he looked exceptional. Yeah, that's the one that stood out the most to me um, on the prelims. Miles John's just looked incredible. Uh, the way that he was attacking uh, Dos Santos's leg and credit to Dos Santos for being as tough as he was. But uh, and then the finishing sequence, that overhand right that he landed, just put everything into it. And it was just a perfect uh, shot that landed. Um, yeah, that performance. I'm like, yeah, Miles Johns. That might have been the, the, the fight that made me think like, OK, Bantamweight division is uh, probably the best yeah. in the UFC. If 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 Miles Johns is out here looking that good and yeah. no one really knows much about him, like uh, this bantamweight division is loaded. And then, uh, and then of course, uh, Vasiv on the prelims. Like the prelims was uh, were all pretty good. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, uh, Jessica Panay uh, won yeah. that bonus with her with the first round uh, armbar, I believe it was over Carolina. So uh, pretty good night of fights, man. 
Yeah, I uh, I tweeted um, every strike Miles Johns has attempted has nuclear impact behind it. Like yeah. every time he threw anything, it was just like, good lord, that has like finished the fight intentions. <laughs> there know, was no wasted reminds, punches. He kind of reminds me of a um, of a smaller version of Yoel Romero. Yes, yes, way, spot just, on. Like it, his stance, and then just like how he throws everything with. Uh, with such a uh, ferocity. Yep. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of you, Romero. That's, I, that's spot. I can't, I can't add anything to make that statement better. <laughs> that is, uh, you're, you are exactly right. Uh, Ed Herman's leg just getting chewed up was, uh, man, what a, what a tough MF -er, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was just like, how is this dude still on his feet? Uh, but yeah, that was, uh, that was awesome. Okay. A couple of, uh, things I wanted to mention about, uh, tweets on Saturday night. Um, Bilal Muhammad tweets that, uh, that Pedro Munoz looks like a skinny version of Ty Tuivasa. And like the rest of the night, I couldn't unsee that. So I'm like laughing my ass off. Uh, it's so funny. And then I thought, uh, I thought Tanner Bozer, have you seen the fight from Tanner Bozer or the tweet from Tanner Bozer on fight night? About, uh, about his cousin, about, no. Okay, so after the fight was over, after the main event was over, I love Tanner Bowser. He tweets, After I lost to Gone, my third cousin sent me a Facebook message with a bunch of advice telling me what I should have done to won the what I should have done to won the fight. Anyway, if Nganu wants to hire him in preparation for their bout, his name is Sean and he sells car parts. He has never trained. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> oh, it's such a great tweet, man. Such a great tweet. His name is Sean. He sells, he sells car parts. But uh, and he, he sent oh, me and a bunch of advice after I lost a gone. Yeah. So oh, good. Yeah. That's that, that's a 10 out of 10 for sure. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> that, that, uh, that was my Twitter winner of the night. UFC 265. Uh, all right. Um, we kind of mentioned it earlier. DC and Connor having their, uh, their beef. Um, Bro, this is this is Conor McGregor knowing, knowing that he's no longer elite and trying to gain any sort of traction in the headlines that he can. Yeah, it's like like I said, man. It's it's almost kind of sad to see this. Uh, he's reaching, and uh, it's it's really it's really just bad, man. Um, before, like when he would trash talk, he was trash talking potential opponents. Getting guys all riled up uh, in in pre fights and stuff, but now it's just at first against all these guys it was always business, but like since that bus incident with with Khabib and all that stuff, like it's just become so personal with him. Yeah. Uh, no matter who he's talking to, um, Khabib, uh, Dustin Poirier, and DC, like wh whoever has. And what DC was saying wasn't even a knock on him. It was just him uh, uh, analyzing the fight. Right. Um, yeah, Connor's just reaching, man. And and I'm sure he doesn't really have anything better to do because he's uh, in a boot. So uh, I'm sure he's pretty depressed. And um, the fight uh, probably is still weighing in on his mind. So uh, not to make any excuses for him, but, man, like, at this point, just, you know, leave it alone, bro. I mean... Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then uh, finally, let's end on this. Three days ago, Dustin Poirier tweeted, Nathan, question mark, uh, <laughs> to which Nate Diaz replied, let's fight, don't be scared this time, though. I 1,000% believe the way this is going to go is Dustin Poirier fights Oliveira in December regardless of which way that goes. Nate Diaz is his next fight, and that will be a blockbuster. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, look, regardless of how this fight with uh, Poirier and Oliveira goes, the next guy will probably be Nate Diaz. Uh, because, I mean, there's not really a decisive number one contender after Poirier and Oliveira, so why not just give it to Nate Diaz? Uh, of course, there's Gaethje Chandler, there's uh, there's uh, RDA and Islam, but who's, like, the next guy? And then when you look at the matchups, who's going to sell the most? Of course, you throw Nate Diaz's name in there. He's going to sell no... He's going to outsell anybody in the lightweight division right. outside of Connor. So, um, yeah, uh, they were supposed to fight a, a few years ago. And I feel like, in a way, they both kind of feel like they owe it to each other to fight. They owe it to the right. fans to fight. Um, back then, I thought I didn't, I wasn't really sure how that fight would go. I have a better uh, opinion on that now. Yeah. <laughs> but just the, the buildup and everything, uh, I would love to see it. Um, that It would be fun. Yeah, I mean, look, it's going to be a 25-minute war. Um, you yeah. know, like, I, putting away Nate Diaz is tough for anybody, uh, even a guy like Dustin Poirier. And, like, while I expect Poirier would be on the better end of the majority of the fight, like, I, I do think it would go all the way, and, and uh, it, it, would be a, it would be a show. And yeah. uh, it, would, it would warrant a five-round potential pay-per-view main event type spot. Absolutely. And, you know... I'm not sure if Nate Diaz will want to fight for the title or if he'll want to fight at 170. I guess we'll see like um, what happens with Dustin's next fight. But I think it would be 170, uh, and then that way, either way that fight goes, Dustin still has the main event title fight ahead of him. I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Um, yeah, either way it goes, um, Dustin's cardio is going to be tested because Nate's going to be there. Dustin's going to hit him with a lot of shots, with a lot of leg kicks, but Nate's all, he's still going to be there. And that's uh, something that Leon learned the hard way. Uh, I'm sure that's something that Masvidal was going to learn over the, the course of the next uh, couple rounds of their fight. But um, Poirier is going to, he's going to damage Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz is going to be bloodied. Uh, he's going to have a lot of damage on his face, but Nate Diaz will still be around yeah, in those later rounds. So uh, uh is going to have to be careful. Absolutely. Sign me up, sir. Sign me up. Absolutely. Sign me up. Will Brewer, no Saturday fight night for us. So uh, next week we return with uh, Cannoneer Gastelum fight night picks. Um, we, uh, we were only on the opposite side of two fights last week. You won the uh, co-main event with the Aldo selection. I won the fight before that with the Luque selection. So, uh, once again, uh, you still have a pretty significant lead in our head-to-head standings. Yeah, it's, it's always good to be uh, in front. Always good to um, <laughs> have the lead. I'm not going to boast too much, but yeah, it's good. <laughs> All right. I, I can't think of a better way to end this than that because, uh, yeah, I've just uh, I've had enough of that smile on your face. <laughs> <laughs> happy saturday my friend enjoy it enjoy your uh your weekend off and uh, we'll be back next week yes sir my brother
podcast is over.